This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read earlier came from the gospel according to Matthew. The reading was from the fourth chapter and the first through the 11th verses. But in the interest of time, I'll only read the first through the fourth verses. And it reads as thus. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is often said, and I'm sure you're all very familiar with this phrase, If you didn't document it, it didn't happen. The phrase is used to make the point that whatever someone may have said happened is not as reliable as if it was documented, as if there is some kind of record that tells you what happened. A good example of what I mean is what you see with an incident report. How many of you, I know me, have gotten into a car accident and you decide that you're going to make a claim to your insurance company, the first thing the insurance company asks you for is the police report. It's not enough for you to say, hey, Geico or Allstate, I know I'm in good hands, but I had an accident. Uh, I, 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 I need you to satisfy this claim. They'll tell you, that's nice, Mr. Marriott, but we need a police report. Yes, sir. We need some kind of credible documentation that will substantiate and validate that this actually took place. As a matter of fact, we're not taking your word for it, Mr. Marriott. We're going to take the word of a reliable source, the police department. (coughs) And so without documented proof of the incident, as far as the insurance company is concerned, the accident may not have actually happened and they will not process your claim. In other words, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. But is this really true? I wonder. I don't know, but what I do know is that having something documented is better than not having one as it relates to insurance claims. So today I want to talk a little bit about that, about this idea of a credible authority, and will attempt to do so in a message that I've titled quite simply, It is Written. Let us pray. Father, we have now come to the preaching hour. You know what I have prepared. And Lord, I have no idea why this is the word for this time, but you know. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that as our hallelujahs belong to you and as you deserve it, that you open up the ground of our heart, the fallow ground of our heart, that you, 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 you cultivated in such a way that we're able to receive not what the preacher says, but what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Former President Donald Trump has been accused of several things for which many in the media believe 
he should either be arrested for or at least held accountable on some level. Well. Most notable are the allegations surrounding his role that led up to the attempted insurrection on our nation's capital on January 6, 2021. But what gets my attention is that the media keeps getting stuck on the question, what law has he broken? In other words, it's one thing to have evidence that he did something, but it's an entirely different thing when you cannot point to the specific documented statute or ruling which he explicitly violated. Well. Said another way, if he broke the law, what law? And where is it written? Yes, sir. Yes, the other thing that we saw playing out in our society is the bipartisan work of the January 6th Select Committee that was charged with investigating the events of January 6th. They conducted what appeared to be a very thorough investigation and prior to their disbandment with the new incoming Republican majority, they issued a document covering more than 800 pages over the course of eight chapters recommending four criminal referrals against the former president. The January 6th document provides a record of the insurrection attempt and all the people that were involved in this most unprecedented event in our nation's history. So for years from now, when historians and students alike start to study this particular period in history, they have a credible source of the information because it is written. Yeah. So if you didn't document it, it didn't happen, appears to be true in this instance. But there is a contrarian perspective. This past week, leaders of the <laughs> Nassau County Republican Party called for Representative George Santos, who was elected to represent New York's third congressional district, to resign from office over his lies and fabrications to voters about his personal life and accomplishments. I'm not telling you anything you're not seeing in the news. Well. Among the many lies he told, the New York Times obtained a copy of the resume he submitted to the Nassau County Republican Committee as a candidate, on which he wrote that he graduated in the top 1% of his class at Baruch, a school he did not attend, and also claimed that he helped the school's volleyball team to a, to a championship title as their main striker. Now, my reason for sharing this, brothers and sisters, is to make the point that even though all of what he claimed was written on a resume, none of it happened. Mr. Santos falsely documented accomplishments that never happened. So the phrase, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen, appears in this case anyway to be untrue, for it seems that something was documented that did not happen. I'm just saying. But there's a big difference between documenting an event versus documenting a rule. Well. <laughs> documenting an event is about writing down the facts of an event, uh, uh, which serves to give credibility to the fact that the event had occurred. It's designed to provide information that can be corroborated and validated based on evidence of those who might have been close to the information such as witnesses. In fact, a good example of this is what we see in the Bible with the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They documented Jesus' life, and so when you put all those three documents and those works together, they tend to tell the same story of a savior. You see, they have witnesses that, that, that gave information, and now it's able to be corroborated as credible. So documenting an event 
tells you what has happened and helps you confirm that the event took place, especially when you have multiple witnesses. Are you with me? On the other hand, documenting a rule serves to codify information with the intent to govern and regulate future behavior. To codify literally means to make into a book or to write something down systematically. And when such a rule is officially written down, it's called a law. That is why we have legislators in Congress who propose ideas. They are debated, then it's voted on, and if passed, is written down and sent to the president who signs it, and then it becomes law. And when that law is not followed, consequences uh, uh, ensue by the ruling authority like the Department of Justice who's responsible for the enforcement. So to make it plain, when a law is broken, the consequences are enforceable only because, as a rule, it is written. The greatest example of this is seen when God wanted to instruct the ancient Hebrews on how to become a people and how to become a nation, how to become his chosen nation. So he sent Moses up Mount Sinai, and when Moses returned from the mountaintop after meeting with God, he came back down with what we know to be the Ten Commandments. Commandments. He, he, he came with the Ten but not only did Moses come down with the knowledge of the Ten Commandments, he came down with those commandments inscribed on tablets of stone, thereby making them law because it was written. And not only were those laws written, they were written with the very finger of God, who is the ultimate authority and who has all authority to enforce those laws. And when the children of Israel transgressed those laws, Moses did what? He threw those tablets, breaking them in anger. Threw those tablets, breaking them. Hence the reason why we use the term today, breaking the law. That's where it came from. It's a direct reference to Moses breaking the Ten Commandments. So again, when a rule becomes a law, the consequences for breaking that rule is enforceable only because it is written. And if a rule is not written, then it cannot be enforced, which is why Donald Trump seems to be getting away with everything he does because no one, at least not yet, can point to the rule where it is written. With all of this in mind, let us now see the relevance of this in our text and what all of this means for you and me today. Looking at that temptation of Jesus Christ again, let, let, let's read that one more time. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. Jesus was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you are, if, 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 if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I often wondered, why Jesus responded to the tempter the way that he did. And in my wondering, I'm curious to know why Jesus did not respond in his own authority. I mean, he was the God-man. Why didn't he respond in his own authority the way I would? <laughs> if I were in Jesus' situation, knowing that I got this kind of authority, here is how the text would read. <laughs> would read. The tempter came and said to Hugh, if you are the son of God, 
command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Hugh answered, no. Straight up. No. I have all authority. No. That's it. That would have been my answer, and I am of the impression that that would have been the end of it. No. But this is the express reason why I, and more broadly, we are not God. For if Jesus had simply said no to the tempter, it would have left the door open for him to be tempted at the same level again. <laughs> what I mean is this, how many times have you been faced with temptation in your lives and you have said no only to be tempted again with the same issue? Y'all yes. know what I'm talking about. How many people you think want to quit smoking and have said no only to be tempted to pick up another cigarette? How many people you know have been tempted who want to quit drinking and have said no, but they pick up another drink? How many people you think have said no to cheating? And it ain't just on your spouse, it's also on your taxes. And you say no, only to be tempted to do it again. How many of you have said no to fill in the blank for you? only to be tempted again at the same level. That's what I mean. If Jesus had simply said no to the tempter, it's highly likely that the tempter would just come back another time when Jesus was hungry again and try to entice him to turn stones into bread. And to make it more interesting, the tempter might not even use stones next time. He might come with, say, turn these wood into bread. I mean, he'll come with something else to distract you. That's what the tempter does. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, no telling how he will get you when you are really, really hungry. But I think there is more, much more important reason. There's a, there's a much more important reason, I believe, why Jesus did not simply say no when tempted. I think there's a deeper reason. You see, if Jesus had used his divine authority to say no, then he could not be our example of how to resist temptation yeah. in our lives. Yeah, yeah. You, you see, if Jesus had used his divine authority and told the tempter no, then he would be trying to say, then, then we would be trying to say no to the devil when tempted based on our own authority. Yeah. And that would not work. That would not work. This is simply why we can't just simply say no to drugs or no to alcohol or no to promiscuity or no to whatever. None of that will work because the tempter does not respect your authority or mine when we act on our own. The tempter will only respond to a higher authority, although otherwise it will keep coming again and again and again. You see, brothers and sisters, let me make it plain. The reason why the devil or whatever it is is tempting you in your life keeps bothering you is because they don't hear you. Or rather, they're not hearing God, they're hearing you with nothing behind you. No. All right, no. Maybe, kinda, <laughs> that tickles. I'm talking to people about temptation. So the tempter will keep coming and coming and coming if you keep using your authority. So Jesus wouldn't say no, even though he had the authority, but he also wouldn't say no because we didn't have any authority. But Jesus knew that we would be tempted. So he made a provision that would show us the way. He showed us how to use his 
authority by appealing to a documented rule that was law when he said it is written. Let's look at the text again. <laughs> then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, throw yourself down, because, because guess what, Jesus? It is written. It is written. He will command his angels concerning you on their, and on their hands. They will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. Are you on the mountain? In each of these three times, the tempter came and tried, Jesus, and tried to get Jesus to do something that was expressly forbidden by God. Jesus then went to the ultimate authority. He went to the word of God. The word of God stands as the ultimate guide for you and for me as it relates to our faith and our walk as Christians. The word of God is not a book of cleverly crafted stories or wise sayings from a time gone by, but instead it is the blueprint for all of our issues, challenges, and every temptation known to man. The word of God, written over a period of 1,500 years, is a collection of 66 books by over 40 people, comprising 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, and 788,258 words within 1,200 pages in the King James Version. It sells over 100 million copies annually, and it is, get this, the most read, the most sold, the most quoted, and the most stolen book of all time. It has been translated fully into 690 different languages and partially into 2,883 languages. All efforts to denounce it have failed. All efforts to contradict it have failed. All efforts to invalidate it have failed. All efforts to destroy it have failed. All efforts to condemn it have failed. All efforts to kill it have failed. All efforts to bury it have failed. And all efforts to seal it have failed. So the word of God, with its history and pedigree, is credible and authoritative. So much so that in each of the three times that the tempter tried to get Jesus to do something that was expressly forbidden by God, when the tempter tried to get Jesus to break the law, when the tempter tried to get Jesus to go outside of the boundaries of the kingdom of God, Jesus went to the ultimate authority. He went to the word of God and he declared, it is written. So the word of God is our authority. And the only effective authority against any temptation common to man. In fact, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder between soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart.
So when the tempter comes, brothers and sisters, whenever the tempter shows its ugly head, you must remember to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. To put on the full armor of God so that in the day when the evil one comes, you may be able to stand. Stand with everything you have to stand. Stand then, with, fit with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And in addition, to all of this, I take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and here's my part, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, so, so I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, for you already know that the word of God is the authority. You already know that the word of God is credible. And you already know that the tempter cannot stand up to the word. But I ask that you turn with me now to John, the first chapter, which reads at the first verse. <laughs> we all clear on the word of God, yes? yes, yes. It's authoritative, yes? yes? It's powerful, yes? yes? Good. In the first verse, in the first chapter, in the book of John, this is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it. Not, but, but, but then we jump to verse 14. And the word that was in the beginning, that, that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, all that I have said about the authority of the word of God has been about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And that word has all authority and all credibility. So when the tempter came and Jesus said, it is written, Jesus <laughs> was actually saying to the tempter, I say. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. When the tempter came and Jesus turned to him and says, it is written. Translation, Jesus was saying, I say. I say, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Said another way, one does not live by bread alone, but by me. I say, do not put your Lord, the Lord your God, to the test. Said another way, tempter. Don't test me. I say, worship the Lord, the Lord your God, and serve him only. Said another way, <laughs> worship me. For lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. And because the tempter knows how powerful the word of God is, it even tried to use 
the word itself against Jesus. But what the tempter didn't know was that he was trying to use the word <laughs> against the word. So Jesus says, again, it is written. And like the word of God, all efforts to denounce Jesus have failed. All efforts to contradict Jesus have failed. All efforts to invalidate Jesus have failed. All efforts to destroy Jesus have failed. All efforts to condemn him have failed. All efforts to kill him have failed. All efforts to bury him in a borrowed tomb failed. All efforts to seal the tomb failed. For on the third day, on the third day, the word of God rose from the grave and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So the recom so 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 watch this. The resurrection event. The resurrection event was documented. And the rule of the kingdom was documented. And because they were documented, when the tempter comes to you with any issue in your moment of weakness, you can lean on the authority that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can say with all credibility, with all of his authority. Now, I'm not going to say it for you. The tempter is coming. And you can say. It is written. The Apostle Paul, as I close, says, you are our letter. Written in our hearts known and read by all people revealing yourselves that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on human hearts such is the confidence we have towards God through Jesus Christ. So when Satan comes, it's written. When trouble comes, it is written. When temptations come, it is written. When depression comes, it is written. When anxiety comes, it is written. When fear comes, it is written. And when jealousy and envy comes, it is written. It is written. And after you declare that it is written, the text says, then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. My hope, brothers and sisters, is that the law of God be written in your hearts so that you too might be able to stand 
against the wiles of the devil in that evil day for it is written. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved.